I got the download as well. Awesome. You guys ready to get started here? Yep. So, um, welcome back to the Archie Coach Cast. Uh, this is episode, I think, number five. I'm not even 100% sure. Um, just because we have so many coaching discussions that they all run together. But um, this number episode, five, what's the uh, number five? Um, yep. So this episode was originally, we were just going to talk about the setup, right? We we're, we're talking right. about the setup as part of the NTS, which we will try to get to. However, there's some more, um, for, for the sake of explaining, um, we're going to talk about some more pressing and important coaching issues that involve kids because two specific situations came up in one of the coaching forums and they're very, very common things that happen as a coach dealing with youth archers. Um, one situation, uh, well, we're just going to dive right into that, Larry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, the first one. yeah. I'll preface the situation or, um, and I don't want to, for purposes of recording, I don't want to flip around on screens and whatnot. Um, and I'm going to leave names and, and locations out of it. But so the one situation was a, um, a youth barebow shooter, um, who was struggling with consistency, lots of negative self-talk that shooter was shoot, uh, shoots, um, with another shooter who their scores are very similar. Um, but that shooter just was what, how can I explain it? Um, they well, competing against others other than their friend, they did reasonably well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when they compete against this one friend, they do poorly. Correct. Yeah. And like I said, I think that's a very common theme where we see kids who perform great in practice. They maybe even perform great in pin shoots for Joad. They may perform great in new places with new people. But there's this situation where they're not able to put it all together when people who are maybe direct competitors, maybe they're friends in the same program, but in the same class. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that we see often in Joad and mm-hmm. S3DA. So you want to speak to some of that, Larry, because I think the discussion we are actually having prior to recording a little bit even has some influence here. But Right. Um yeah, we run into this a lot. There's, there's one certain situation where a, an athlete performs poorly and, and they do it not once, but multiple times in this one situation. Um, and so that means lack of mental discipline. And, and we use these general coaching terms. Well, they're not keeping the head, their head in the game. They aren't staying focused. And all of those terms sound great, but they're not defined. So when you tell this student, well, you have to stay focused. What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And this didn't, you might have an idea, but does your athlete have an idea what that means? Well, no. And so they're getting uh they're focusing or uh, thinking about score and result, typically, and have no means to uh, direct their focus to what they need to direct it to. And so unless you have a method to define what they need, where they need to direct their attention, unless you have a method to define that for this student, you're not talking on the same page and you're not making any headway and they suffer. Right. Okay. So, and, and so this one's the... I was able to pull it up. So let me, let me read it a little bit more clearly. Okay. So two friends, um, one almost always outshoots the other friend. 
um, and has been shooting four years longer. Um, it's a, it's they're like 14 years old. That's the ballpark. That's the age range we're talking about here. But when they shoot on different bales, this other friend that has the trouble, they're great. But when they're on the same bale, um, they end up shooting on the same bale. And like, if one gets ahead of the other, this specific friend starts falling apart. Like that's when, and I think that we can clearly see that there's a focus on score happening when, when it's this situation, I bet you when things are great, they're great. But as soon as, as soon as there's a hitch, you know, mm-hmm. and it says, how can you get a younger girl to manage um, the frustrations and stay focused on their own shooting? And then this experience make, um, make this go away when there's, is there something that can help the shooter? Um, the, it's suspected that there's some jarring back and forth, joking, maybe not joking. Nobody really seems to know because unless you're standing there with these two shooters, you know, so we're talking about impressionable teenagers. Mm -hmm. We're talking about kids, um, being kids, but yet applying the focus to the shooting. So that's, so that's the one situation. And then the other one is the, the bare bow shooter who's really, breaking down maybe some tears getting angry throwing tantrums you know on the shooting line stuff like that so let's talk about the the two the two friends that are shooting together how do we juggle that first i guess let's go let's i just wanted to be more clear i was able to pull those out yeah so yeah when they're shooting with this competitor friend they are focused on score in fact the other person's score (laughs) and how the other person is better than them Right. And they're, they're making uh, judgments about themselves compared to the friend. Right. Um, and also thinking about the scores. Uh, so misplaced focus. Yeah. So, so their present process thinking, their present thinking is them thinking about the friend's score and how that, yeah, how that. In the present, right. And in the future about, well, this is all over and, and they've beat me again. Right. <laughs> right. And, and they've judged themselves in a bad light because of that end result. Yeah. Uh, so we have to get away from, from that. You know, if you shoot a six, that doesn't make you a bad person. That, that's one thing we have to teach them. Yeah. I think and, you also find adults do the same thing. Um, oh, yeah. For right. sure. Uh, I can, for one, give a perfect scenario of how that <laughs> happened to me at the classic two years ago, going into the eliminations. Yeah. I was the tenth seed going into the Barebow eliminations. Um, I shot against my friend Daniel Chen. He wasn't my friend at the time, but we've come, become friends since. Daniel, I bet you, I scored thirty more points than he did going into qualifications. He was so determined. He shot one of the highest first round elimination scores of the entire field. I only lost by like six points, but his first end, he shot a 10, 10, nine. And in Barebo, if you know Barebo, that's a big deal. That's a big score. That's, that's, that's a big deal. And And you saw it in neon lights. Yep. And my (laughs) first thought was, holy crap, I have to play catch up now. Yeah. And instead of just riding the wave of that doesn't matter, anything can happen. Let's just concentrate on making your best shot. I went down that rabbit hole and immediately, and I still didn't shoot bad, but I didn't shoot to my highest potential. I've shot much, much better. And then all of a sudden you're playing catch up. And in order to, and it's, um, it's very difficult to, Get yourself out of that mindset when you're a kid, let alone an adult. Yeah. And, you know, competitive competitiveness is great. There's no question that being competitive is great. But when you get to the point, if you start letting what others are doing around you seep into your focus, mm-hmm. yeah. that leaks into your process, you're, sooner or later, that's going to catch up with you. Yeah, so had I been your coach and right there with you at the time, instead of officiating, you know, being head official of the event, okay, 
Uh, I'd have probably said a couple things to you. That's here. Number one, how many arrows do you have to shoot? And I probably at that one time, that point in time, so I, I would have said like three. Nine more. I got nine arrows got nine to arrows. catch up. Yep. And then I would have said what? Uh, you would have yeah. said, how, you would have said how many arrows? And then you would have said, yeah. no, one, because you one. only shoot one arrow at a time. Right. So, and that's all you have control over is the one that's knocked on the string right now. Right. Okay. So I would have reminded you of that. All right. Second, uh, if, if I had been your coach, we would have been communicating uh, back and forth. We would have had a, uh, what I call my focus map plotted mm -hmm. out for you. Mm -hmm. And where you are to guide your focus when you set your stance, when you knock the arrow, yep. when yep. you set your hands, what focus are you to have? Okay, and what kind of focus? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would have reminded you, okay, now of all these steps that you're working through, which is the most important? Because one of them is... And that is loading your back, transferring into your back and using that to complete the shot. So most important thing you do. And I would have reminded you that that is your process. And when it's time to finish that process, engage in that process, you need to be engaging by feel. Right. And you would have had a mantra to remind you of that feel. So I would have first got you in the game, you have one arrow here, and then you have to execute this one arrow with the feel in your back. Got to load that back. Mm -hmm. Got to do the hold. And that gets you back in the now, in the moment, and executing on something you can control. And I probably said, now after the arrow leaves the string, you have no control. So um, where it hits, it hits. You have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I, those couple I like that. things to we would have had a history. Yeah, I, I like that. I... What was that, MJ? Could you repeat? Yep, I like that. I like that idea. I and and I find that uh, there is. Uh, it depends upon the individual as to whether that uh, process thinking uh, sometimes will get in their way, and they they become overthinking, to where sometimes mm -hmm. I will, uh, in lieu of the process, uh, create a distraction, and more or less uh, an, an effort to leave archery and go somewhere enjoyable. And then when they hear the click of the arrow on the string, the, right. the, the individual or the entity within them realizes, oh, okay, I got to shoot an arrow. And then they proceed uh, without thinking. If they've done pretty well up to that point, they, they know how to shoot an arrow. Yes. And it's a matter of breaking the, the uh, spiral, that death spiral of, oh, my God, thinking to, oh, I'm going to shoot, thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, calling themselves into the present. Yeah, you have to devise different ways to do that. And that snap of the string on the knock helps with that. Because when that string snaps on the knock, you better be in the present. And yeah, they many get to staying with the analytical thinking, the mind managed thinking when they have their back loaded. But we need to shift away from that mind manager analytical to engage with the feel. And uh, and different, like MJ says, different archers have different cues that you use 
and different ways to help them get to that feel. Yeah, no, that's, I think the disconnect could be with maybe some coaches who don't have that experience with like, like a level two, a new level two coach that's never been in the competition format and maybe doesn't right. have that. I think the disconnect is how do you teach these um, uh, lesser experienced coaches to mm -hmm. communicate that with their shooters. But I think that's where the, that's where the, the trouble is with these growing teams and yeah, all that we got going on. Right. Yeah, that, that's missing. That's why I've written my latest book. And, and ahead, shameless plug. I am very <laughs> impatiently waiting for the publisher <laughs> ass in gear and work on it. <laughs> and so, for some reason you're on a lag. I don't know why, uh, which is, oh, yeah. we just can't hear, we can't hear it right away. I think both of us have to not be talking. So there's no audio coming through. Then we can hear you clearly. So, yeah. So yeah, I've written my book uh, with a method for communicating how and where a, an archer is to guide their focus yeah. and their mind manage focus. That's checking things off a list, like setting bow hand, setting release hand mm -hmm. that gets you into present. But when it's time to execute your contraction expansion, that you better be doing by feel, just a general awareness of the feel. Like, like uh, MJ said, they know how to shoot the shot. Be aware of the feel. Yeah. Kids have a difficult time understanding the feel for sure. Right. Their brain is still developing. So for all the coaches out there, be aware that the human brain develops until you're probably 24 or 25 years old. So in another couple of years, MJ, our brains are going to be fully developed because we're going to hit that 25 year mark and off we go. MJ, why don't you comment on that? Because I know you had started saying something before. Well, uh, it's it's interesting uh, to understand, and there are several exercises that can use uh, so that they have that understanding of what the feel is. And many uh, will do alternative sports or have done uh, uh, sport activities. And uh, one would be uh, just throwing a ball. And you'd, you'd run the exercise of throwing a ball into a box. And then you tell them, okay, now it's critical that the, the ball hits the box. So I want you to be specific or aim throwing the ball in the box. And they'll look at you stupid. There's no aiming in throwing the ball in the box. You just throw the ball. So the, the part of them that knows how to throw the ball will throw the ball. The part of them that knows how to shoot an arrow will shoot an arrow. It's a matter of uh, allowing that entity, that part that has been trained to perform. And the, the performance without detail is pretty successful in many cases. It's yeah. when you attempt to really perform, do better than what you have done thus far, it's over. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you start aiming, you start aiming, throwing darts, you're going to buy beer all night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your story. I hit, uh, I hit upon another good demonstration. Uh, if you have a, t a floor that has square tiles on it, you can have your athletes walk across the, the tile floor from one side to the other. Back and forth is easy, right? They're aware they're walking, but they're doing it by feel. The walking is natural. We've done a lot of it, okay? Now, have them walk across again without stepping on a crack 
Oh my. Okay. All right. Now you have a major difference. Now you are trying to mind manage each step where your foot goes and you're looking at the, the cracks. And this is how some people shoot archery by trying to guide their sight pin on the middle. It's like walking across a tile floor and not stepping on the cracks. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Muscle tenses up, you perform poorly instead of smoothly. So we have to devise ways. When that tension. Go ahead, go, go ahead, MJ. When that tension rises, when, when the attention arises and the uh, the whistle blows and now it's this is for score, they have to realize <laughs> they just have mainlined adrenaline. And uh, an exercise that uh, sometimes is useful is I'll have the archer do everything once they're on the line in slow motion. And I say super slow motion. And that means that it takes 10, 15, 20 seconds for the arrow to clear the quiver. I want them to be fully aware of the weight of the point of the arrow and how ab abrasive that shaft feels, how uh, noisy it is to get it up into the air. And I, this, I want the shot process, the, the, the execution of the shot to take two or three minutes oh, because man. that feel that Larry was talking about yeah. to happen because that, that adrenaline that you have just shot up enhances everything. You, it, it, it's as if you just pulled somebody else's release aid out of the bag. Oh. It doesn't feel at all. That tab, that, that tab on the string that the string now feels like sandpaper. It's so abrasive. The mold mark in your grip, oh my God, how did it get to be so sharp? Those, yeah. those acuity things are just so enhanced that if you can have them do a shot in super slow, and, and I'm, if, if it starts to, to move too fast, they go right back to the beginning because I want them to have the total immersion in what the shot actually feels like internally because that internal has that uh, acuity because of the adrenaline their eyes are seeing corrections that much faster the stabilizer i've sat behind too many shoot offs and watched the stabilizer rod bounce a, an inch and they're shooting baby tens give me a break there, there's no way it's sitting still. However, you'll talk to those archers, then they'll say, boy, oh boy, my dot died, died in the middle. Ain't no way. But they hallucinated or they convinced the part of them that was going to shoot that it was okay to shoot when it was bouncing like that. Mm -hmm. and, and same thing with any other sport that's out there. You watch uh, uh, the game last night when that kid uh, from uh, uh, California had to sink a three to tie it up, there was no thought about uh, bouncing, uh, bounce, bouncing on a foot or the, the uh, grip of the ball or how far it had to go. Yeah. Just bounced, uh, dribbled out on the, on the court and yeah. shot the basket mindlessly. Yeah. Because, because why? Because he's trained for that moment literally correct entire life yeah and he was instantly in the right. press not concerned about past or the future or the result yeah yeah so he engaged with his body feel to make the shot yeah that 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 whole concept mj is like i'm it's a prof, it's a profound drill to do and i'm so glad you brought up because i'm so going to do that tomorrow with my entire team but I mean, the, to really turn, you know, turn the, the music off, tell the parents, you got to be quiet and tell, have the kids go through that process in super slow motion. 
And then, and then maybe even have them take their notebooks, their journals and write out the details of what was happening to make them reflect on it. I mean, document that's, that is your shop process. That's your real shop process. How many people have done that? I mean, that is literally the, gosh, that's (laughs) such a, such a good thing. I can't, I can't even say how excited I am to give that a go. (laughs) So before I wrote my book, uh, Core Archery, uh, I had written a document that I had used for five or six years about the steps of shooting for. And I gave those steps great thought for weeks and weeks and weeks and stood something like what MJ talked about and did this slow motion, not that slow as, as MJ described, but slowly thinking. You'd, you'd be surprised how slow you really are. I Thank you. <laughs> no, you too. Let's listen, everyone. So I record podcasts with John Demmer and Grayson Partlow for the Barebow Project constantly. Those two, this is an archery thing. Those two constantly bust on each other. They bust on me. I bust on them. Then I record with you two knuckleheads. And it's the exact same thing all over again. Just a couple different generations going on. And it's like listening to two brothers banter back and forth at each other. Oh, my gosh. it's That's archery, though. I mean, let's face it. It really is. Better looking. You're the, the better, better looking of the two. Yes, yes. We know. We know. I'm the older, more intelligent. Handsome. <laughs> looking. <laughs> oh, we we do we should though bring that full circle I have, coach when we have a chance okay <laughs> yeah. go ahead Dan J. what were we gonna yeah. say i i have been fortunate i have been fortunate one of the uh more interesting uh uh games or one of the more interesting um observations is uh, i have uh introduced visually impaired to shooting a bow. And uh, they these uh, two individuals were five on five soccer players. So they're, they're uh, blind and or they can see but very little and had never uh, felt or touched a bow. And their introduction was to feel the bow. They felt the, the grip, they felt the rest, they felt the curve of the limb they felt the abrasiveness of the string and how the tab and that it is so intuitive and it is such a thing that uh, creates their awareness, their sight by feel. And it's, uh, it's just an incredible learn uh, that uh, sighted people just blow off and it, it, they miss a lot until well, it becomes critical. Yeah. Right. Can, can we, can we, can we, can we uh, piggyback off of that concept of teaching the feel and how that, how that, how do we, how do we have these new coaches take that and, and turn it back into like this, this young, this young shooter that's struggling with the, with the friend that's shooting or maybe even intimidated a little bit by shooting with another, with this other person or, so how do we how do we do that? How do we draw them back? I mean, I know what I do, but I want to hear from you guys, you know. And and you guys have both coached at the at the Olympic Training Center. You both have coached, um, you know, internationally. What? How do you do that with even your newest shooters using club equipment and trying to bring them into that process? What What I do is. Uh we develop our list of steps and I try to establish with them and it takes a lot of repetition for the young ones, right? Which is the most important step? And that is backloading and using the contraction expansion. Uh, So if that's the most important one, then that's where our focus must be. And that focus must be by feel. So I try to define this so that when I 
tell them, uh, focus on the feel of your back as you're executing the shot. They have something specific to do. And over a great amount of time, they will get that feel. But it's communicating uh, with defined terms and having that common understanding with your student. To just tell them to say, well, you have to stay focused doesn't mean a thing. Yeah. You know, because they'll think something different every time. And so by having some defined terms uh, and defining the most important part of the shot, which is not the score. So we're teaching that it's not the score that's most important. important. It's what you are doing with your body that you can control and how it has a feel. Uh, So that line of communication has to be established and repeated, repeated, repeated. And how about you? It changed, uh, changed the value of this thing. And, and uh, if you'll uh, explain that if they allow and uh, walk up to a, a shot or a, a target face or whatever and explain that it's three mils of parchment that is now determining their value in life, yeah. just shred it. Just tear off a piece and say, this, this can't define me and shred a piece. Into and to less explain that it's it's just a piece of paper that you're poking holes in. Another uh, game uh, to play with these two competitors or with the entire group is uh, to shoot something other than a thirty. If if you change it to where they have to shoot three scoring arrows, and those three scoring arrows have to total twenty three. (laughs) <laughs> they'll shoot that first arrow and they'll look to the mathematician there and say, Oh, what do I got to do now? And the next one's kind of a chunk. The, the first one was an eight. And then the next one's kind of a chunk and it's a, it's a six. Oh my God. Now, what do I got to do? So you're creating a thought, a thought and va- and a purpose for every arrow that has to be shot. So, and, and two, it devalues that, that center, that that uh, that ten, uh, uh, is the same because I've chosen, or that that six is the same. If I'm standing outside and there's a breeze, I'm aiming to hit a six, and allowing it to drift into the middle. So you have to change. I have to change the value of the target face yeah, to where wherever I choose to shoot is is good. And uh, it, by by changing the the score, the optimum score to twenty three or twenty six or or something odd, uh, then uh, at the at the same time, you'll allow that person that uh, is not necessarily the best. If they shoot odd numbers or they miss a number, that the likelihood for them to win that match is enhanced. Because the guy that shoots nothing but tens values tens more than a seven. And they'll have a tough time not shooting it in the middle. You want to play a game on a blue and white face? Shoot a shoot a 300 with no X's. Ooh. Can't be done. Yes. Yeah. Can't be done. <laughs> yeah. Or with only 10 X's. Or, yeah. You can take... Uh, right. Yeah. Make, make a short deck of cards with, uh, well, just uh, 10 cards, uh, ace for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Or ace could be a 10, however, or a face card could be a 10. Just have those 10 cards in your deck. And so you have two, two or three or four competitors uh, on the line. Draw a card. If it's a six, everybody has to shoot a six. If you miss, you're out. Okay, draw the next card. 
you know, maybe it's a two. So I have to shoot a two. Uh, anybody that misses is out. So you can play a game like that or, or mix the rules there somehow, but yeah. get focused off the middle and on to, well, I've got to shoot a good process to hit where I hope to hit. That's, that's outstanding yeah. information. It really is that to go back on, uh, I want to, I do want to piggyback a little off of what Larry had said, just about the feel aspect. The one thing that I do in barebow and honestly, not just barebow and for all of my competitors in order to learn or teach them the feel, um, I mix up the drills a lot, but a lot of times those drills are doing the same things just in a different format. So it's not redundant and boring. Um, you know, blind bail is like the Holy grail of, of drills in my opinion, but it's not the only drill and you can still accomplish similar things with blind bail by doing other drills. And I know like we've talked about, um, I call it the best drill only because for me, it's definitely been like one of the best carryover drills to bare bow. And that's when you, it's kind of come a combination of what I call draw holds when you aim floating the tip of the arrow. So like behind me, when you're at full draw and bare bow on the 18 meter game, if your six o'clock aim is right here, some people aim on some people aim low. I personally, I do that. Uh, what John Demmer calls a lollipop. I, that's where I am. That's where I like to aim. I don't like to put it on because I get, I can put the tip of the arrow in the middle all day long. Cause it's like putting a pin in the middle. It's easy. It's natural. It's what I always did, but it's, it's the separation of the shot where I get kinks. I don't, I don't like aiming that way in barebow. Um, but if you get the more that you get comfortable holding that tip of the arrow on your aim point, whether it's there or in the middle or whatever, the more you get comfortable with that, the easier it becomes and you recognize the feel. So if you do a draw, if you do draw holds and whether it's three seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds, or doing a ladder of draw holds. So you're going all the way up to 30, 45 seconds and then coming back down as an exercise movement, as a strength building drill. The more that you do that, the more comfortable it becomes for a shooter. Likewise, the more you do blind bail, the more comfortable and repeatable and um, the more, the easier it is for your, for you as a shooter to remember what that proper release is supposed to feel like, what that proper follow through is supposed to feel like. Listen, there's a reason blind bails feel so much, so much better because we close our eyes and we're able to kind of like what MJ was talking about, concentrating on on that very finite detail, we're taking part of the aim out of, we're taking the aim out of it altogether. Your senses automatically heighten. So the goal of archery is to shoot as many perfect shots. Well, not perfect, but as good as possible shots as you can. So the more of those shots that you shoot, the, the more improvement you will get. If you just stand at 18 meters and you're not working on all those other things, you know, your progress will happen, but it's definitely going to be a little bit less of an incline. But if you start implementing those drills, well, you're shooting virtually perfect shots, doing those drills or as close to thereof as you can, you're automatically going to get better. You know, and, and I would do that with these kids that are having a hard time focusing. I would, I would implement these drills. There's performance points in archery. It's an athletic endeavor treated as such. And teach them this is how the feel is because you need to draw back, you need to hold, you need to float the tip of your arrow in that spot that you aim and get used to it. And as John, John, my favorite comment from John Demmer is was enjoy the aim. Enjoy it. Don't mm -hmm. overthink it. Enjoy it. And when you do that, um, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter what the sport or what the discipline is, enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Don't obsess over it. Um you know, and that's that. Like that's probably my go-to from uh, from a coaching standpoint. But you guys definitely have more experience than I. Yeah, do. we'll be implementing some of these uh, techniques with our upcoming class on target panning. Yes, and learning to shoot beyond or through target panic, yeah. so that you can get to that good shooting beyond it. 
and it takes techniques and those techniques are run with the mind because most everybody with target panic has the physical skills to make a good shot. Yeah, we do have uh, three people signed up for that class right now. Um, so okay, good. Uh, we need a minimum of eight. So if you guys are on the fence, you have questions, message us. But you definitely want to sign up for that class. If you don't necessarily have like full blown target panic, but you might have some aiming anxiety. You might have uh, moments where where you just flinch like crazy. And this is one of those classes that you can take um, in order to address that. That's why it's called. If you're a coach, if you're, if you're just coaching, yeah, take the class. Yeah. Take the class. That's right. Take the class because it's, it's going to teach and talk about a lot of this stuff that we even talked about today to help deal with that or combat that. So, so I knew I, I called it. I may MJ before we even logged on, I messaged Larry and I was like, I'm telling you, this discussion is going to go a lot longer than we anticipate. Cause we usually try to oh, get yeah. around like 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> and here we are, uh, 35, 40 minutes into this, uh, yeah, 40 minutes. In. Yeah. So we might have to, we'll have to circle back and, and maybe touch upon the other one. Uh, next time and then pick up with the mm -hmm. shot process on a future yep. episode if, if you look at other sports if you look at other sports out there whether it's basketball or tennis or baseball or or uh, so many <laughs> of the other that each one of them will have drills to learn the the skill right uh, uh, tennis if uh, somebody's working on their backhand they have a machine shooting that yellow ball at them and they'll spend 30, 40 minutes doing nothing but stepping into the back end to make sure that it operates in a, a free flowing motion. Uh, stand in a batting cage and learn. And if I'm hitting nothing but grounders, obviously I'm coming over the top of the ball. So it's a matter of figuring that out. There's no point in playing nine innings if all I'm gonna do is hit grounders. If I have a team that has a tough time dribbling and, and or passing, we're not going to shoot any baskets that day. We're going to work on dribbling drills. Right. And if you break the components into, uh, as Larry described, those, each one of those processes uh, mm -hmm. and, and a steal, a steal from Frank Pearson, our buddy, that is not a brother, but kind of, almost. Anyway, he would take the, the list of processes and throughout a practice regiment, analyze each one of them to the degree of, well, it was okay, but it, it wasn't the best. Uh, whether it's a, a grip or the finish of the shot or whether it was the, uh, the, the uh, release or the aiming, whatever, each one of those uh, would get an individual dot throughout the practice process. And out of the, the 12 steps that the person has determined, they're gonna end up with a, a three or four or five of them that are gonna have the most dots. That, that just now determined by next uh, practice regiment. And so if, if uh, I got a lot of dots on my hand pressure or I torque the bow, uh, that's what I, that's, uh, the, that's my next blank fail challenge and opportunity to learn more is all I'm going to do is work on my hand pressure and, and change it around. The, one of the interesting things that I think people don't realize is that uh, and, until I know how, how wrong feels, how am I going to learn right? So go in there and just manhandle that grip just give it one of those so that uh, when it goes relaxed, you, you now understand the difference between that and that. And, and, and so you, you, you experiment with uh, overarching. If, if I do this and shoot an arrow, now I know that's wrong. Until I le learn to do this, uh, until I understand wrong, I'm, I yeah. uh, begin to right. search the entire system to figure out what I did wrong. But if I know immediately what high shoulder is, 
okay, I can fix high shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Priceless. Interesting, MJ. You, you mentioned three sports. My reading this week tennis, <laughs> baseball. Yeah. This guy gets it right, but I have something to tell you about all three. And this. There you I go. Have some other one. Yeah. But yeah, they're all talking about being in the present, etc. And they're all using the same similar terms, you know, you have to uh, know what your point of focus is and get the job done. You have to know your job and get the job done. You have to stay on focus. They're all using the same set of undefined terms. And that leaves the coach then in bewilderment about how to teach this to their archer. So they're all on the right, they're on the same topic. And I agree with them, that's the topic, but how do we teach it? So I think is not filling that void. Yeah. Or trying to, you know, starting to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this was an stand. Say that again, MJ. Anika Sorenstan, the the a woman golfer, her coaches wrote several books, and they uh, define uh, decision making, and then uh, process. Uh, that there is a, a a specific time to be thinking about, and then there's a time to allow it to happen. Uh, uh, every shot must have a purpose. Uh, is really uh, poignant to what Larry was talking mm -hmm. about is mm -hmm. we, uh, we think about what we want to have happen and then we allow that to happen. And then uh, an evaluation of, did it work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think, uh, I think we're going to, we're going to call it a day on this topic. We really went way far further than I expected. Um, but it's necessary. And like I said, these are topics that I think coaches deal with. They don't really have access to talk about it. They're dealing with it on, you know, on the fly in some ways, especially new coaches. Um, and, you know, I have a feeling that next week we may continue talking about that other scenario a little bit, although it really does all of what, which, all of which we, we talked about today applies to that other scenario of, Shooters getting yeah. angry on the line, shooters, you know, throwing tantrums, having a fit, talking mm -hmm. negative self-talk, you know, it's, it, it, it's all, it's all changing the mindset um, and, and getting as far away from focusing on scores possible and focusing on that present process and how you do that and what you do. And I guess, you know, you'll probably see Larry and I uh, soon, hopefully we'll, we'll probably talk about that today, get together and shoot some videos um, some how-to yep. videos, some form videos and stuff like that to right. put a visual to the words of what people are looking for, um, what to look for when, you know, as coaches. So MJ, you guys had a, uh, a Paralympic team had a heck of a, a weekend here, didn't they? Yes, yeah. we did. We uh, fared very well in Monterey, Mexico. We secured two more uh, slots that uh, our uh, Paralympic team now has seven places, seven slots for the uh, country to uh, fill out uh, for the, the games in Tokyo. We, uh, W1 Leah Coriel won a gold medal and yep. Emma Rose Ravish uh, recurve uh, silver medal. She shot really exceptionally well, but a pretty uh, tough group. And the, the big success is that uh, the para-archery in the Americas is getting stronger, which means that we're going to have uh, archery uh, back in the Para-Pan Am games in 2023. Wow. Excellent. Huge. Oh, you get the golf clap for that yeah. one. That's outstanding. Yeah. Congratulations to you and uh, Griv and the, your, your team of coaches. 
for the uh, U.S. Paralympic team. That's just awesome. Fantastic. So, that's awesome. So much awesomeness. Pretty cool. What's that, Larry? Fantastic. Definitely. Well, I think we're going to call it a day uh, for everyone on Instagram. Thank you for joining us, for everyone. Our thanks, thanks a bunch, everybody. Coaches and shooters and parents and uh, that are joined, have joined us on Zoom uh, for this recording. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to go to our um, Facebook page for the International Archery Institute and look at uh, all of our events, any classes that we're developing um, or that are ready for to be enrolled in are there as part of the events there. You could also go to um, www.virtualuniversityofarchery.com, uh, which is International, International Archery Institute's website. Um, we also have a Facebook group. Most of the stuff I post on Instagram when we have something new coming. Um, but make sure you, if you're in for a class or you're interested in a class, don't wait until the last week to sign up because if there's not an, we don't have eight people in a class, the class won't fly. I'll have to be postponed. So slowly though, that I'm seeing that we're starting to see more and more, nothing's ever been offered like this. So I, I understand that yep. you're going to have some, you know, maybe some people are wishy-washy and stuff like that. But I think the more that we provide these podcasts, the more we put out the information, people understand like, we're here to provide continuing education and, and to try to improve archery from the ground up and right. not really uh, an archery education entity out there. And that's what this is for. This is to improve the first arrow. This is to improve coaches ability to work with their shooters and just archery as a whole. So yeah. um, and we're, we're available to everybody that can get in front of a computer somewhere across the world and we have people watching this that we've worked with that are literally across mm -hmm. the world so please don't hesitate to reach out but thanks again everyone for joining us signing off from thanks, the everybody Podcast.